Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us this time Friday mornings with the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, good morning to you in sunny Arizona, or not yeah. yet sunny. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable how the one time I go to a warm weather spot is when I sound like this, but all right. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, don't mean to put you in an embarrassing position or in a uh, in any. I'm sure people are curious about your reaction to President Trump's comments yesterday. Uh, what could you tell us about what's, about what he said? Are you talking about the expletive that he used, or you're talking not about just the expletive, but his, the, the reaction and the analysis, his analysis of um, his description of other countries out there? Yeah, so the, I mean, he is now saying that that it's not a correct uh, report, that he used tough language, but not the language uh, that was uh, referenced. And there's reaction around the world to it as uh, people become, um, at some point, I guess, inured to it. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the problem is when it deflects from the substance of the issues, these are serious issues, that... Uh, Thank God I don't have to deal with, but they and the conference doesn't deal with uh, these domestic issues. But they, you know, the um, that doesn't uh, in any way mitigate the seriousness. Uh, and uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, I know it's interesting because one of the things we've spoken about when the president has done things that are that 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 deserve praise, for instance, from certain individuals out there, especially those who love Israel. Sometimes people hesitate to offer that praise because he sometimes will act or react in a way that we're not used to when it comes to a president. So it seems that, uh, I guess, um, everybody is, is experiencing that now. Anyway, we move on to other issues, and uh, we know that this was a very difficult week in Israel with this um, a murder of Rabbi Raziel Shavach of Chavat Gilad. Um, the... Uh, Reaction in Israel. Um, you can tell us about it. Is there a is there an effort to uh, to continue to build? Is there an effort to is there an additional effort to clamp down on the terror attacks, which, according to the Israeli officials, have tripled in the last month? What's been happening in the aftermath of this terrible episode? Uh, all of the above. There are efforts, uh, proposals to build to legalize uh, an outpost. Uh, that was proposed by the defense minister. There are others who uh, are pushing for a much tougher response, and the police have been searching for the killer. Uh, two uh, Palestinians were killed yesterday in uh, clashes as a result of it. So they, there is a, there's a, m- a multitude of reactions, and uh, the funeral itself was uh, drew a large crowd and very angry uh, responses to this uh, devastation. When you hear the report, you know that he was shot. I think six bullets hit him, and then 22 bullets were fired uh, in a drive-by shooting. And somebody who clearly um, played such an important role and, and uh, was a first responder himself. Um, I think that this is, uh, you know, the, these things evoke a, a, a response, and, a, and it's a cumulative. They will demand more and more steps taken to assure response that they didn't have, um, they weren't hooked up to, to a central grid, I think, uh, certainly a, a warning system, and uh, this is now being rectified, but people are saying, why did it have to take this to get that done? 
So I'm, you know, every incident like this and every tragedy like this um, it evokes a response, and then particular uh, steps are taken. But you're right that there has been a, an increase, a spike in the in the number of attacks. Though overall, uh, the number of uh, people killed over in 2017 was down from the year before, or the number of attacks was down. Uh, although it's pretty similar number of people uh, died. They, we don't realize when you look at the cumulative figures for a year how many people are injured and, and uh, killed. Uh, there are theories why it's gone up over the last month or two, including one that President Trump might be responsible for it. Is that He's not responsible for it. And, uh, you know, the, the people responsible are the terrorists, and if they can use any excuse they want, but... To say that the president is responsible, terrorism was true under President Obama or, president, or other presidents, and whether they were critical of Israel or supportive of Israel, you know, it's a mistake to let the, to, to let these kind of uh, assessments by people don't get it. That people who want to carry out terrorist attacks will do so. They'll find any excuse to do so. There's no justification for the murder of an innocent civilian driving in his car. Uh, the president likes to cite the wall in Israel uh, as a big deterrent and, uh, you know, one of the things that has really brought down over the years the number of terrorist attacks. Does that make you feel uncomfortable at all when he defends his wall policy by citing what's been going on in Israel over these last few years? Well, I mean, I think that the situation is, aren't, aren't analogous in many respects, uh, but the prime minister has made uh, certain references um, j- just to, to substantiate what I said, I think last year, this past year, um, there were uh, 263 wounded and 169 the year before, 99, uh, 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 there were 99 attacks originating in the West Bank, and in 1916, I think, in 2016, there were 269 uh, attacks with 17 killed, in this past year, 20 killed. So it's not a vast difference from uh, the year before in the number of uh, casualties, uh, but the number of attacks was uh, was down. Yeah, I think they were citing what was going on over the last month or two since the Jerusalem announcement. Right. Uh, yes, but we, we, why why should a Jerusalem announcement be allowed to 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 be used uh, to justify um, murders? Would, would we say the same thing here if some guy goes and starts shooting up a school? Or it shoots people on a highway because he doesn't like a particular announcement the president made. It's uh, you know the, the the people who have to be blamed are the terrorists and those who incite terrorism. Uh, uh, starting with President Abbas and moving down, and we see it now in the calls to cut the funding of UNRWA, the quarterly payment is due and it's being uh, held up. That um, uh, other steps that are being taken. To, to identify the, and, and for one time confront honestly and openly uh, what is going on. The Palestinian Authority last year, in the past uh, 2017, paid terrorists $358 million, and to them and their families, uh, this came from the Israel's Ministry of Defense uh, in, a, in a report they issued er, er, during this past week, and it, it's 7% of the total budget 
in the year before, they spent $322 million, so more than $35 million more last year, despite all the criticism and the focus from Congress and the um, uh, condemnations, even from the Europeans. So terrorists who get a life sentence get an average monthly stipend of almost $3,000, whereas the Palestinians, the, I think the average salary of the Palestinians is under $600. And this is a, you know, it's, it's a billion shekels, uh, more than a billion shekels a year. So let's talk about the sources of why people engage in, in terrorism. It's a real incentive, to say the least. Will that payment be made, by the way, the UNRWA payment? Do you eventually will be paid? Uh, they're going to review it and, and look at the uh, uh, a lot of considerations. The government of Israel also has considerations because, you know, some of these things go to funding uh, food and other things. And, um, uh, you know, the United States has given about $6 billion to UNRWA, and uh in it averages, I think we give now about $400 million a year. And when we see that the UNRWA schools continue to engage in the incitement and the, um, um, their universities and other things, their community centers are used for promoting terrorism, and, and the Palestinians still refuse to come to the table, the president, I think, has a right to say, we're not going to fund it anymore. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, the question is, will he have the guts to actually hold up that payment in perpetuity? Well, he, he did come out this week, by the way, also strongly supporting the Taylor Force Act, um, which uh, will be a dramatic cut in aid also to the Palestinians. It's not unrated it's others. And uh, he said that he would sign it if it, uh, if it comes to him. You know, it's passed the House now. It's got to get... Um, uh, it passed the Foreign Relations Committee in, this, in the Senate, but it has to get passed now, the full Senate. What do you think of this uh, Egyptian problem with the New York Times, that uh, the Times had reported that in Egypt they were trying to, um, uh, to brief people on how to explain to uh, students and in media sources how good the uh, Jerusalem announcement from President Trump actually is, and that people should not react in a negative way, actually suing the New York Times over this report? I think that uh, you know the, it, 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 these are the kind of things that uh, are done quietly. Uh, there was also an Egyptian professor who lectured in a university in Israel and got a rock star reception, as it was described. Uh, and of course, then there were a lot of condemnations. People, um, uh, you know, were in Egypt were protesting, and the poor guy uh, who, who is the leading social scientist in Israel in uh, Egypt. Uh, was berated, so it happens often, and people know that when somebody undertakes to go to speak in a university in Israel, they know what the uh, that there will be this kind of reaction. The government, though, hasn't uh, has uh, stood by its position, and here what they were saying is that look, and, and a reflection of the reality. This doesn't change anything. This is not an issue that we should be having strife and tensions with Israel. They're our ally now. We need to have a good relationship with them. Uh, and I think the, the, um, you know, the New York Times and others, uh, you know, exploited, obviously, it's news when they get the reports, uh, but it was internal discussions, and we'll see yet what, what comes out of it. So you have no trouble uh, believing the Times report, and at the same time, uh, in Egypt, they were saying, we're not going to let this come between us and our good relationship with Israel right now. Uh, 
that's what they said. We're not, go- and and it wasn't just there. Look how muted the reaction is. Remember the prediction that there would be months of, yep. of demonstrations. There would be an intifada. That the Arab street, uh, not even the Palestinian street, is, is aroused anymore, and it's down after a few days. And when the, and without the incitement, it would have been quieted down even earlier. That the uh, induced and, and insightful rhetoric that that uh, followed the announcement and the threats, and you see that people have other things on their mind. They want to be fed. They want other jobs. They want they want life. They want peace. They don't want uh, to have. This. Of course, there are significant populations still that are radicalized and that will take advantage of any opportunity like this to to exploit against the governments or against uh, others and to to promote themselves. But just look at the facts on the ground. Yeah, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. My thanks to Matis and Rami and the entire team keeping us going here on a Friday morning broadcast while we are with the Kids of Courage, their Shabbaton in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, it's one week later, Malcolm, and last week was very interesting in the aftermath of the initial push in Iran uh, on the streets, the protests, the demonstrations, watching the reaction of the Iranian government, etc., and really world reaction, uh, frankly. Seven days later, what is the update regarding those demonstrations in Iran? Well, for one, uh, they haven't stopped, even though the, the press is not reporting them and the government is saying that they're over. They're certainly diminished. There's been an all-out effort to to um, break them up, and they brought in troops, um, the Basiji, and, and usually moving them from city to city so they don't have to do it in the places where they come from because they're afraid of retribution. Uh, and I think the the, um, uh, the United States statements of support do, do, do differentiate it, the, the reaction from those in the past. And these demonstrations are different than the earlier ones, and especially 2009, in, in that it was more widespread, and it's um, much more of a, a grassroots operation than um, elite in the big cities. Uh, we're seeing the minorities have been increasingly involved in the frustrations there because of the unemployment rates, 50% amongst college graduate women, 40% overall among college graduates, uh, um, unions, others, because they pay rates are so low, none of the benefits that they uh, were promised. And then they read in the newspaper that Iran spent $16 billion to support terrorists and rogue regimes uh, around the world, and supporting Assad in Syria, it's estimated cost uh, $15 billion a year, including the uh, thousands of IRGC and the 20,000 Shiite or 30,000 Shiite militiamen that are there. Uh, they bankroll Iraqi security forces that probably cost a billion dollars and support for Hezbollah. This year is estimated to be close to a billion dollars, uh, let alone Hamas, etc. And the people are looking at this, and that's why they're yelling, we are not, we won't die for Hamas, we won't die for Hezbollah, Gaza or, or uh, Hezbollah, we'll die for Iran, and that we don't want this money spent, leave Palestine, they tell them. Uh, the, these demonstrations... And I think that what was initiated, even if it continues at a lower simmer, uh, will continue to burn and will flare up. And I think it, it's reflective of um, deeper schisms uh, 
that we have talked about, and uh, we keep in touch with people inside Iran and those who are in touch with the the various factions there. It's not a unified opposition. Uh, The son of the former Shah has been talking about coming back into it. The... um, uh, they, they, uh, the United States is looking now at new sanctions. The president has to decide by Monday to decertify, which he'll probably do, but I don't think that they will end the JCPOA. And it's interesting that how many uh, Israeli and other scholars of Iran have urged him not to break uh, the, the deal right now, but to impose new sanctions and to make the deal work, meaning put the sanctions and put the restrictions enforced. Uh, if you may have noticed that the Iranian government announced that they're banning the teaching of English now in primary schools in Iran because of the deleterious impact of learning and the cultural invasion, I think that they called it, that uh, young people learning English are able to access sites and that they can't control. So the way you fight back is uh, no nothingism and, and making sure your kids can't speak English. They will <laughs> learn English anyway. I assume the uh, Jewish community is laying low, the Jewish community of Iran is laying low during these protests. Absolutely. And nothing to do with the demonstrations. It's a small community, between ten and 20,000. Nobody knows the exact numbers, obviously. And they, they're they very precarious positions, so they have not been party to this. But the position that you just cited is, is, is so confusing, I think, <laughs> to the regular guy like me. Because, you know, money talks. Uh, if, in fact, the uh, the president would act the same way he's acting in other situations, you know, with the tough talk and, in many cases, the tough follow-up, as we've seen this week, um, you would think that, you know, that that, the, uh, that, that further sanctions and, and, and killing the Iran deal, which would eliminate so much money that's being transferred, would be the best idea. And that's why it's hard to believe, especially coming out of Israel, why people, why, why academics and others who analyze these situations are insistent that this is a bad time to do that. Is there a simple way to explain it? Uh, yeah, it, it's just a pragmatic uh, decision that, one, uh, Iran has gotten most of what it wanted out of the deal. It's not ongoing uh, money, so the uh, we can impose uh, certain sanctions. There's some that, uh, as long as the, he has to make that decision, the president has to make a decision whether to continue uh, the tougher sanctions like on SWIFT and banking and other the oil sector, but there are many others. And even Europeans and, and those who, who say keep this, the JCPOA are saying impose new sanctions, you know, make the sanctions we have more effective. Um, and uh, they're saying, though, that if you break it now, you'll give them the excuse, the Iranians the excuse to, to go full force, that they uh, have developed a lot during this period, technologies that they could now move forward, and that the, um, you're just simply moving up the breakout date and that the the Europeans will will continue the the to do business that even if the United States stops so then the Europeans will just fill the void and will do more uh, so the attitude is try to negotiate use this as leverage to um, uh, with the Europeans to say that we, you know you don't if we don't work out some way to enforce it better to to impose new sanctions to you know, support the people who are demonstrating. And you notice how, how quiet the European countries have been in, in this regard. It's really quite uh, astonishing that, uh, that well, or maybe not astonishing at all. Meaning in reaction to protests. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that just a second ago, about, the, uh, about their muted response or no response. 
So the payments are essentially finished at this point. Whatever Iran got in the billions and billions for the Iran deal, there's a hundred or hundred fifty billion. That was that yeah. was the payment. Yeah, no, no, no ongoing payments. But you know they are doing deals with Boeing. They're doing deals with others. The problem is that they're buying the planes, um, but they're trading with Europe. Doing the trade with America is not going up, and and it's you know they know that the cost is is of um, doing business is, is that you can't do business with America. Companies will make a quick choice. But the trade with Europe in many areas, especially consumer items, is, has increased sharply. And they, they and also oil exports uh, have gone up. But the economy itself is not benefiting. It, the IRGC and, the, and Khamenei, the Iran Revolutionary Guard and Khamenei, control over 40% of the economy. So the benefits that come come to them first, they, and they don't get down to the grassroots, and that's why people are reacting because they were told, you know, a hundred billion dollars coming, hundred fifty billion dollars. They don't see any trickle down. They don't see any benefits coming to them, and you see the demonstrations on their campuses where they throw off the burkas and and have their pictures taken doing so, and have had demonstrations, and and the fact that people are yelling death to the dictator, which could carry a death penalty. Uh, uh, and we we know that people dozens have been killed in these demonstrations. Um, it, you know, shows the the depth of frustration, and the people are willing to take risks to to defy the government. Uh, with great concern that everybody has on the uh, you know for the Israeli army and the Israeli people along the Syrian border, what is the update in terms of what's happening there? Well, there is a it's a very serious situation and becoming uh, increasingly the focus. Uh, of attention, as I said, uh, you know, we talked a couple months ago about the warnings we heard about a war in the north, because the Hezbollah has been building up. Israel's been taking all sorts of precautionary measures, including trying to recarve the borders, and I mean literally recarve, not on paper, but uh, you know, making steep uh, inclines and and uh, trying to limit the opportunities for Hezbollah to cross the border to to invade if they want to. Uh, the and the border fences, et cetera, are being reinforced. But the um, we know that the Assad forces have moved into areas of the Syrian Golan, so have Hezbollah and, and some of the militia. This is a violation of the understandings that were reached, and Israel has been pressing the Russians and, and others, and uh, as you know, did a couple of bombing raids over the past week, uh, which uh, hit uh, supposedly a... a an Iranian uh, facility, uh, so the you know because Israel has to keep this red line. They have to make it clear we're not they're not going to tolerate it. They're not going to allow incursions because it will mean civilian lives will be lost. And the um, you know this is to preempt uh, what could escalate easily into a, a much larger conflict. So Israel this time will, will be. Uh, Un, uh, unlimited in its response as opposed to what it was in the past when Hezbollah was a factor, but it wasn't the government. Today, they are the government as well. They are certainly a significant part of the government. And uh, so all these facilities, the government facilities, etc., are fair game if Israel has to respond to, to increased threats and terrorism. Are there attempted infiltrations? Or are there scared? All the time. So there's, no matter what Israel is doing, they can't scare off the attempts. Oh, they do, and they they have done. Uh, I mean, I've been to the border many times, and 
quiet, go there in the middle of the night other times, and they're bringing in Syrians to be treated. So their scouts, Israeli scouts, go out and to make sure that things are safe, and they've been able to conduct this for now for a couple of years. 4,000 or more Syrians have come into Israel to be treated. Uh, again, a story that nobody wants to tell, and uh, um, they know that uh, any interference or attempts will you know, be um, very costly to them. And the PA and Hamas are still uh, still have different political positions, correct? Yes, but I think that you have to look at the Gaza situation where we see Hamas and Islamic Jihad are going at it. Uh, I did touch on this before that I saw these signs, but we're seeing um, the, the demonstrations against the PA and against Hamas. They said that 45,000 Hamas employees in Gaza haven't had a salary for two months. Remember, we talked about the standoff mm-hmm. that the PA was trying to replace the people with their with their government employees as part of the understanding between Hamas and, and the, the, the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and that the the um, there have been demonstrations against both of them because of it. But now ISIS, it appears, is challenging Hamas in Gaza, and uh, there are reports of some executions and uh, other uh, attacks. Uh, but this could be a response because Hamas backed off of some of the support of, of uh, IS, of Islamic State, in in the Sinai, um, at Egypt's prodding and others, and because they want to get more money. Uh, if you did see there was one gesture from the PA to Hamas, to the people of Gaza, where they've increased the hours of electricity, meaning they applied to Israel, and Israel readily agreed, and I think they increased it now. That is four hours a day, or or of electricity in uh, to the, for the people in Gaza. Um, it's interesting. You know, sometimes you forget. Well, you don't forget, but I, we forget. Um, e- Egypt settles a situation, or you know, a, a, more peace and tranquility comes between them and Hamas, for instance, or them and the uh, and you know whichever group is there. On the border, and they have to deal with the next one. They have to deal with the more with the next radical one who's not happy with the uh, with the situation that's going on. Uh, well, their position is, yeah, their position is to hold Hamas accountable for everything that, uh, including Islamic Jihad, including ISIS. They, they say, look, you're in charge of the area. As long as you're in charge, you're you will be held responsible. They want them uh, uh, to clamp down on it. Um. And by the way, when we're talking about the Europeans, there's just one story that I saw this week that it's just so incredible from Vienna where the Viennese police are, are uh, looking to pro- put criminal charges against three pro-Israel activists because they waved an Israeli flag uh, against uh, anti-Semitic slogans at an anti-Israel rally near the U.S. embassy in, in December. And they, they want to fine them and even give them two days in jail because they showed the, an Israeli flag that they they said at a in an extremely provocative way, and that it was visible to the participants in the rally, and therefore it was a provocation against the Palestinian protesters. Hello, <laughs> this is people won't speak up for the for the demonstrators in Iran, and they're going after. If if anybody wants to understand what the nature of the of what we face in in Europe, I thought that's that report really said it all.
Yeah, well, I mean, the muted or the, the non-response in terms of the Iranian demonstrations is unbelievable. And the, and the fear of what the U.S., especially uh, under President Trump, you know, the way they, the fear of how we here in this country may react to what's going on in Iran is unbelievable. And that is their greatest concern instead of the, you know, concern for those who are trying to, uh, to live their lives and make things better where they are. Learned a lot about the Europeans, no question about that. Um, Alrighty, I thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, we will reconvene. Take that Arizona sun in and (laughs) make sure to inhale as much as you can of it when you bring it back. And uh, have a great Shabbos. You as well. Have a wonderful Shabbos. My thanks to Matas, of course, for making sure we all connect. Uh, Malcolm Holmine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM.